This episode of The Truth in This Art was brought to you by the generous support of the Gutierrez Memorial Fund. Learn more about their mission and their story at GutierrezMemorialFund.com. Also, this season of The Truth in This Art is supported by the Robert W. Deutsch Foundation. Learn more about their mission and their story at rwdfoundation.org. Well, shaking cats and kittens, Rob Lee here for this month's presenting sponsor, Night Owl Gallery. Night Owl Gallery is an intimate, artist-run exhibition space showcasing the original paintings and fine art prints of Beth Ann Wilson. Also, it features curated goods from local artists and craftsmen. You'll be sure to find one-of-a-kind gifts, handcrafted jewelry, home decor items, along with a few vintage treasures. Located in the rear of 248 South Conklin Street in Highland Town, across from the Sally O's, Night Owl Gallery is a unique space that brings together Wilson's love of the arts, community, and culture. Additionally, Night Owl Gallery hosts an array of arts and crafts workshops throughout the year and participates in community events, many of which are free and open to the public. So in this ever-changing world, safety is their priority. So feel free to join them and hit them up online at www.nightowl.gallery. Tell them Rob Lee sent you. Welcome to Getting to the Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee, and today's guest is an American painter from the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area. We have Mr. David Ibarra. Welcome to the Sorry. podcast. Thanks for having me, man. See, you notice I put the Mr. on there because I'm looking uh, at your... That's, that's, that's <laughs> cool. Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> No, but you get the mister. You get you're the first mister on here. You get the full title. If it was sir, I would give you no, that as no, well. No, 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 no Esquire no, for you. No. <laughs> um, so if you will, um, I've been around uh some of your work um through stuff at Creative Alliance, stuff at UB Blake. Um, and as I always talk with the um the folks that look like me, you get the Browns right. That's what matters. Uh, so if you will, describe your work and give us that that, that rundown. Um, generally speaking, a uh, portrait painter. Uh, you know, I guess stylistically, I'm always pulling from people like Frontals and John Sager Sargent and uh, Diego Velasquez. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's I guess the kind of portrait I've been doing is a very intimate um you know, looking at people, uh, in this case, a lot of friends, uh, that I've been paying a lot of friends. That's what that show was. You Blake show, um, like over the pandemic, uh, and it kind of has a way to just like, you know, think about the friends I've, I have people I've met. Um, and, and I think in painting, you sort of honor them. Um, and so, uh, that's what the work comprised of, it's kind of lately. Um, back in the studio, I'm working on larger paintings, um, born death portraits, but just, it's, it's just kind of a way to get, sorry, phone. Um, it's just a way to get, uh, you know, closer to, um, who that person is, um, as portrait kind of always has. Um, cause when you're doing a portrait, you're actually, you're building them from the ground up. And so you're sort of understanding them in a different way and more, maybe more intimate way. Um, sure. So that's kind of what I've been doing, uh, for the past, you know, few years now is a cautionary portrait. So you, you're, you, you've touched on the, the portraiture, how that's been over the last few years. So let's, let's go back to when the, the start happened. What was that like, uh, getting into like, Hey, I want to take on being a painter as, 
a as a practice and how has that practice changed from from then to like now back then it was uh incredibly i mean it was hard it was hard to just to even start for a while because i i had really in the beginning no no real direction no one to really show me you know i went to the, i i want to say this is national gallery and um as a kid, I used to go look at a museum, look, you know, work some museums. And I came across Rembrandt, and that was like the first time. I kind of just kept seeing him over and over again. Uh, that was the first time I really kind of got it, and I was trying to figure out how to get there. And then, so you have to learn how to do, you know, learn anatomy. You have to learn, um, uh, you know, even um, symbolism, context of, of works. Uh, I, I mean, honestly, probably my first, my intro to it was was watching movies. You know. Excuse me. Um, I would, you know, I grew up watching like Spielberg movies and, you know, the great directors. And so if he's like, you know, framing Indiana Jones for a close up, it's like that's moisture, you know, light hitting his face on the side. Or if you watch like old film noir or old, like, you know, black and white television um, in like Westerns or something, it's all all that. Um, So I really kind of got it. I got a sense of, maybe dramatic lighting. And I got a sense of, um, of what, you know, a, maybe like a, um, frame a single face could do by watching movies, by, um, uh, television, just, just kind of absorbing that as a kid, you know, before I really like started, you know, really took art seriously as a possible path. Um, so yeah. So even looking at that, it is interesting that you described it. That was the first time I've heard described that way. And maybe it's because I haven't had a lot of conversations in this space, but uh, that makes a lot of sense of like having some, some inspiration maybe, or some recognition when it comes to that overlap between like early film or old film and just how people viewed things are very kind of I hear painterly is a way people kind of approach things sometimes when they're doing the cinematography, when they frame it up a shot. Um, and I think because some of these things were like, if you're looking at, let's say Josh, you're looking at Indiana Jones, those movies are 40, 50 years old at this juncture. And they were probably closer to moving pictures, emphasis on pictures than what we have being created now is referential to earlier yeah. film as opposed to earlier paintings or earlier moving pictures. So now, as I touched on earlier, it's brown people in there, your people, you know, you said like sometimes they're friends and sometimes they're people that have yeah. a connection to you. You're seeing them in a, in a different like kind of light. How, how does your work comment on any social or political issues? I used to do that a lot. Um, so I did a lot of stuff, um, a lot of drawings before I really, you know, painted regularly um and so i did a lot of work more conceptual portraits and stuff like that um there wasn't the person um it wasn't a person i knew or like i would scour google for interesting faces and then insert my own idea into what into that person's you know because a person's face is a landscape of experiences so mm-hmm. um i was looking at the world around me, I was looking at what's happening and just started you know, comments on all sorts of things like, you know, so, you know, police brutality or uh, prison industrial complex or whatever um, that I was thinking about. And, um, it, you know, I kind of did that for a minute. It was interesting. I uh, got some ideas out, but now I'm sort of looping back around and like actually uh, I'm paint real people who are in these, in these, uh, you know, in those milieu, you know, interesting milieus or, or whatever. Um, 
so I had to just kind of work out some ideas by just painting, you know, kind of doing conceptual portraits. Um, but I'm trying to, I've been, you know, reaching out to more people trying to arrange more, more shoots or shoots so I can really dig into certain topics. I, I'm going into, um, I'm going to start a series on, uh, police. Um, I every one uh, gentleman who's, um, uh, is capital us Capitol police. And he was there during the sixth. Um, yeah. so like we had a great conversation. He was a really great guy. So, and I'm just like putting that together. So whoever I can, whoever I can, you know, wrangle into this thing and, and talk to, um, that's the way, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a way to like really delve into a social thing. Um, cause before it was like kind of all over the place. I was just thinking of this and about this, but now I want to, um, I'm really trying to put that together, but, um, you know, and I have, I mean, I, I shot a bunch of friends, um, who are really dope, you know, artist friends. Um, and so, and I'm doing, still doing regular portraits, but um, I'm trying to delve more into the social issue stuff stuff as I get along. But just through real people. And a real person brings their whole history and weight to a subject. And um, and then I, what I usually do is interviews um, with that person and yeah. just talk to them. And as I talk to them, I get a sense of who they are, of their reality. And I yeah. try to then insert that, think about that, put that into the portrait when I'm, when I'm building it. So a lot of it is what I experience of that person too. That, that feels immersive, immersive. Like yeah, you're, you know, I, I did a, I did a photo shoot this past weekend and in it during the, the shoot, it was one part, like, and I didn't think it was going to be that because I'm usually on this side of the interview yeah. dynamic or what have you. It's like, yeah. So tell me more about this. I was like, Oh, I'm being interviewed. Oh, this is what this is. I thought you were yeah. just taking pictures and I don't say anything. It's like, no, no, tell me more about it. And I guess getting the sense of, who I am in that, in that brief period of time, that was the direction that was being given based in it to best show who I am through the, through the, the, the lens that they're, they're, they're operating. So, yeah. so do you intend for others to see, and this is a new question. Do you intend for others to yeah. see and feel what you feel and see in your art? Or in other words, do you want others to get what you're trying to say out of your art? Like, you know, I, do, do you know what I mean by that? Or is it too vague? Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, but I, you can't really control that. Um, I found people will, will bring to the work what they, whatever experience they have is something that you can't really control it as much as you may try. Um, mm -hmm. unless you're really, you're super direct, you know, like even the cop thing I told, I told some friends about it and they're like, some are like, Oh, you know, that's, you know, I hate them. And others are like, oh, it's so interesting. You know, and it's like different perspectives. I'm right. At a certain point, I have to try to re remove my ego from it and just present the thing. And hopefully it's painted well so that, you know, you can just forget about that and sink right to the work. But I can, I've never been able to really, you know, make somebody feel, whatever. I don't know if you should. I, I think people, you know, naturally bring their own stuff to whatever is presented. Like, you know, it could be a movie, it could be a song, it could be whatever. Um, I guess nowadays, though, it's different for artists because, like, especially in the entertainment industry, because you get like, canceled if you say they have a wrong corporate opinion so right and which is interesting um so the audience then responding in a way where it's not beyond you know voting with your dollar it's like i i think this this voice should be removed from existence kind of thing it's, it's interesting it doesn't it doesn't lead yeah. it doesn't lead, lean into discourse or like understanding nothing's really achieved there it's, it's just there should be discourse i mean yeah if people have an opinion or an idea that they're, they're generally you know people go to a, sh go to a show go to dinner afterwards or whatever 
there should be discourse about work. That, yeah. That's great. You know, talking about, I did that in, in college. I was talk about art and talk about culture and society and stuff like that. You know? So I think we almost get, get programmed in to some of these things and we start second guessing things that I feel are more base level. Like for instance, like, you you start disbelieving certain things like i, I did a i did a taste i did a, like a, a cupping you know, like a coffee cup and I, I love coffee i drink a lot of coffee I, same same here man <laughs> see, you get it you get it yeah and you know i was doing a cupping and kind of being able to appreciate it do the smelling and the tasting all of those different stages and i'm looking at you know someone who's very versed very knowledgeable of their business and i'm like am i tasting what i think i'm tasting as opposed right. to just tasting it because we're looking for that input from the system or whatever it is because we're now designed for that is this yes. good do I feel something from this? No, accept it. Accept that you feel something or you taste something yeah. or whatever the thing is and be able to, I think, be able to explain why or what you're getting off of it, but don't look for someone else's input because then it sullies what you're supposed to get from it, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you should, I, you try to, you know, go into an opening or whatever. I try to, or if I, if I, I could walk down the street, I go into a business or something. I see something. Oh, look at that. Let's check that out. I just walk in just like yeah. as a newborn baby and then see how the place impacts me or the work impacts me. Yeah. I mean, I try to, I try that, you know, I try to remove my, but then all the, all the, you know, the weight of my experiences and my, the, my taste, I guess, or whatever you call it comes in and, yeah. and, you know, but then, you know, sometimes interacting with a person a certain way can affect how I feel about things. Um, so we all have our biases, you know, uh, and, and also like with work too, or coffee, sometimes there's room to grow. And so you, you, the, the coffee tasted, you know, maybe a year ago, that same brand has improved or evolved or whatever. So, you know, I don't know, man, we, we and, then, I don't know, and then you change over a year. And yeah. so we all evolve and we all see the world in a different perspective after, you know, through time. So, so. For, for you, what is your most important tool as an artist? And is there something within the studio that you just, you can't live without? Like, I need that in there. And, and don't, and, and don't be, don't be a tool. Cause some people say a brush. I was like, you're an ass. You're an ass. <laughs> but like, yeah. Nah, yeah. It's, a, it's an ass response. Um, more and more tool. Um, maybe, uh, not really a tool, but like, I, you know, I, was, I went to the studio earlier today at a friend stopped by and it was, it was hot and the studio, my studio is very Spartan. It's not, there's nothing comfortable in it, you know, yeah. and I, and kind of by design so that I don't really, I'm not going there to hang out, I'm going there to work, but, um, my energy to paint, maybe, um, my energy to actually get work done. Um, so I usually go there pick and pick up painting, pick a task, I just go for it. Like I, you know, it's, the tool is my because I also have the drive to Georgetown from, from yeah. you know, Oxen Hill, which is like, ugh. and so <laughs> it's a trek, man. And like, <laughs> then they got to paint. I'm standing up painting for like I don't know how many hours. My back starts to hurt. It's like I, it's it's place is hard, and so I have to. My willpower has to. My, I got to you know, go to David Goggins mindset and like get it done. That's yeah. how I. That's the only way I, I've been able to do. All the work there that I, I been able to do, it's just it's just willpower. Um, so that I mean, that might be it. You know, beyond brushes. Uh, no, that's 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 an honest answer. Like, uh, I, I some some people joke me because I'll tell them how many podcasts I do. Right, I do three different podcasts. 
And sometimes like I batch record as I was joking with you the other day about, and I was looking at my schedule for this week. Like you're the only person I have for today. I was like, I got all day. Um, but like on Friday I have, um, an an interview about a um, a location. And then I had three podcast interviews. I'm like, all right. And last, last Friday was the same thing. And I was doing this kind of check-in with myself. All right. That one went well. Yeah. Cause you know, you, you hate to have that bomb situation. Like, ah, that didn't go. That was a shit sandwich in the middle of those two great podcasts. <laughs> you, you don't want that yeah. to happen. So just doing that check-in is like, okay, how are you feeling? Do you need to, do you need to properly hydrate? Do you need, do you need to drink a beer? Do you need to get some coffee? Do you need to burn your nose with coffee? Oh yeah. yeah. I do. I kind of do the same where I, I go to the studio. I try, I used to like, it's funny. It's simple. I used to go to, there's a Starbucks and there's a uh, Safeway down the road yeah. from it. Yeah. I'm drivable. And, um, I used to go at a certain point. Um, I go to get coffee or, or get some from Safeway. I used to go. I used to go first and then go to the studio. Yeah, past you go to go to get something to eat. It would, it would actually break the flow up because then I have to you know how early I, I meant to start. I'm starting later now because I got you know I got a sandwich, I got a coffee, and I got to eat that and drink it. Because I think I need need that like fuel. Yeah. But no, I just go and I just go straight into work, drink some water, and then I will work till I'm like okay, and I have to take a break. And then I'll go get coffee or something because I try to like tell myself, oh, yeah, just, just break because you're, you're getting overwhelmed, you know, in art school, atelier, usually there's like, uh, if you work for a model or something, um, or like, or whatever, you do like a 20 minute, you have a, there's usually a timer mm-hmm. and then it's there for like 20 minutes or whatever. And then timer beeps, which take a little five minute break because it's, it's so mentally taxing to do this, um, to paint half the time when you're really in it. Um, you know, that because you know, I mean, you're standing up, my studio, standing up, painting, trying to figure out, doing, doing like a capitalist problem with the color yeah. and form. And then, you know, you your body is feeling. Yeah. You don't, you don't think about it. Your brain's like turns off your pain receptor or something. You're just like in it. And then you're done. You're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I ran a marathon. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, like literally when I'm done painting at night, I'm like, I'm like a goddamn zombie. I'm like, oh, fuck everything. <laughs> Got to drive home too. Like, a, you know, Bullshit. Um, it's, it's, it wears you out. Yeah. It, it really, even on a good day, I'm like, I'm just gone. I mean, I, and I try to have good days. I try not to leave anything unresolved because if I leave something unresolved, I paint all the prima. So if I, it means if wet and wet. So if I, I'll do it in stages where I'll, I'll paint something up wet and wet, let it, I won't leave the studio until it's, it's where I need where it needs to be, um, let it dry. Because if I don't, um, if I leave it unresolved, I'm going to be like, I'm wasting time and I'm wasting money. I'm, I'm, I'll be really angry. Yeah. So, because next time I go to see you, I'm like, oh, I should have fucking done that. You know? mm-hmm. So I try to work up to a level where I'm comfortable, let let the painting dry, then come in with another layer if, if need be. Um, and uh, it, it's like, that did happen to me the other night. I'm working on a painting of a friend and we did a whole shoot from candlelight. And then it's like, I got to figure, I got to, you know, I did put on the first layer and I got to like figure this out. I'm like, well, reshape it, reshape it. Like, and it looks like shit. I got to go back in and do, you know, work on it. Um, and I can't, I cannot leave till it's done. And I, if I leave, if I get out of the studio at like 10 PM or 12, that's what it's got to be. Yeah. Um, and you're just exhausted. You know, just take that, you know? So, so, so let's, let's, let's look at the beginning of that process, right? Like, do you have any, like, I know for me over the last like year and a half, my morning starts off with like either walk or the gym and definitely getting either cold brew. Cause it's always coffee, right? Either cold brew, yeah. some, some latte 
and a buttery croissant because who doesn't like a buttery croissant? Uh, what is what kind of rituals do you have that kind of help you get into that that setup for the day that kind of is like this is going to be a good day because I was able to get X, Y and Z done at the beginning of this day? Well, I put down the croissants for beets. I eat a lot. Of, I, I try to, I'm trying to eat healthier. Now. Okay. Um, I'm trying to get them to run more. Um, I don't know. I just kind of, you know, wake up, check my emails. Um, I mean, I don't really have a set ritual. I guess I'm packing up, you know, stuff and it gets me in that mode of like, okay, both of you, because that would be really intentional. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I probably, I try to, you know, maybe eat something healthy in the morning and if I can get it and run, I'll get it. Especially the, since summer, yeah. summer's on, I'm going to try to run every day. Um, just that little routine because, you know, the studio's endurance. It's not to like be, you know, be in shape and, and have all this stuff uh, in place. But I don't really have too much, too many rituals, really. You know, I, I probably just think about, okay, studio day, boom, mm -hmm. get it. And, you know, I'll get to the studio, I'll probably watch like, I mean, in the studio, I'll probably watch like um, something to keep me occupied. Like I'll, I'll bring my iPad and I'll put on like, um, <clears throat> I had a long run of watching like Star Trek Next Generation uh, off the side. Something just kind of yeah. light, that, you know, while I just work to so keep me engaged. Yeah. Um, recently, I've been listening to more and more on the Mike Tyson's Hot Boxing Podcast. You know, these crazy stories and um, that keeps me going. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty simple, really. You, you know, got to put this podcast it, on that list, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know, man. I know. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there Joey Diaz tell, tell stories of New York in the 70s. It's just like the fucking craziest thing. Um, Joey Diaz is ridiculous, by the way. And he's a, he's a, but I mean, like, just story, I mean, or interviews of people just who have lived lives and just like, holy shit. You know, and it, it it keeps my mind focused. Mm -hmm. um, it's like a sort of sort of interesting white noise, um, and then I can lose lose a sense of time and just like work. Out. I was watching The Departed the other day. She's like, oh yeah, um, that's the part when he gets shot in the head. <laughs> I, I, yeah, <laughs> but that that's I don't know. If, any, if I have a ritual, that's pretty much it. Um, yeah, I find I find myself when you get into those those things like I I had the day job and it's you need that endurance because you're you're coding and things like that and yeah. I'll throw on like something that has no lyrics because I'm a lyric it's like oh what did he say right there what what, what disrespectful yeah. line was that I heard but it, it has <laughs> to be something like classical music electronics something that is just it's just going B BPMs what have you but if I'm doing something slightly different like I do a movie review podcast out of this yeah. so sometimes if it's a movie I've seen a lot. I'm like, all right, let me watch this for like the second time and just have it in the background and start crafting my notes on it. If I'm coming up with like questions for this podcast or what have you, I need to have something in there to focus me in that area that I can like use that different part of my brain because if it's unoccupied, then it's just like, oh, you know what would be really great, Rob? You should be doing this though. You should be doing something else. Um, yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, that pretty much like what you know when you gotta fill the silence or something. Because otherwise, like I should be doing something that made me more comfortable right now. And I'm like, I gotta quiet that voice. And then David Goggins comes in and it's like, gotta gotta you gotta get it. Fuck that. You know, <laughs> and so you know, I I would watch. You know, it's funny for a long time, for a while to keep myself motivated. I was like watching um like Navy SEAL training, like this Bud Class 234. Yeah. They have a documentary. I think it's Discovery Channel did it. Mm -hmm. It's on YouTube. And they show these guys like, you know, getting the let out. And it's actually, and then the instructors yelling at them. You know, yeah. there's only, what was it? Uh, you know, second place, second place is first loser kind of mentality. Yeah. So I have to like, 
it kind of fires me up too. Cause I'm like, yeah, you know, you have to, you need to trigger to, to make you want to do this. Cause it's like, to go in the studio. I'd rather be at home sleeping or rather be at home doing something else. Yeah. But in order to uh, do all the shows I've done or have a career, you have to just keep pushing yourself, especially the way, way I paint. Like I just have to work all the time. And, um, and yeah, so, you know, just motivation. So that, that brings me to another question. See, this is, this is how segues work. This is shows the hallmark for somebody that didn't get the questions. You kind of already have the guys of how these, these things going, maybe I'm just throwing softballs, but uh, how, how do you usually prepare for an upcoming exhibition? I, well, I used to, in the past, I was like, Oh, I got a show. Now I'm just like, this is a job <laughs> really. Um, um, just buckle down. And I mean, especially if I have time to work, I'll just work all the time. Um, uh, this past show, the show in UB Blake, like I was doing that while like finishing the school year, this through virtually, which is like, like we're in two jobs and, um, teaching took my soul out of my chest and just like, uh, this year, it was just hard this year. So I was just doing two things at once and, um, you just, I mean, you just work. It's just all, you got to make the work um, decent. And then, I mean, back and forth with people curating, whatever, you're like, just, you felt this, felt that, like, cool. You know, um, it's, I mean, it's just really just work. And then, you know, make sure you have everything on time, um, whatever they need. So There's like, really, I'm at that point, if someone's giving me a show, I'm, I'm their, uh, you know, <sighs> I'm, I'm the co uh, I'm, I'm, an, I'm trying to be a good asset, you know, and make so that they're the production that they're putting on. I'm, I'm a quality part of I'm not like, you know, taking away from anything. Sure. So that's the mindset I get into like, okay, you, you need me to fill this out. Great. Great. I'll do it. You know, so that everything runs smoothly. Um, yeah. So everybody's happy and everybody's cool. Yeah. Um, that's the way I, it's kind of what I, way I go about it. You know, simple, simple. Yeah, I just, I'm a simple guy. I, I yeah. dig it. I dig it. Try to be. I try to be. <laughs> so now I have two questions left. One's Baltimore related, and yeah. uh, the other one is uh, different. No, the other one's not Baltimore related, which is ridiculous. Uh, how I came across you was initially through the Bright exhibit from uh, Creative Alliance, and oh, yeah. you mentioned UB Blake. And so, how, how does that feel to kind of you know have you know developing like a bit of a base of people who are becoming more and more aware of you in, in baltimore and, and 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 speak on your 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 thoughts about baltimore kind of being in that more dmv area because there's that weird little rivalry we have yeah here. i know i mean i went to the corcoran and like you know Micah, uh, you know uh it was like a little soft rivalry uh no it's cool i mean it's it's great when people um know you're, what you're doing um it's one guy came up to me and was like, tell me, they've been following me for a while. And I was like, Oh yeah. Because I'm, I'm on Instagram. I'm, I try to, you know, work that heavily. Um, even when I delete a lot of stuff, uh, I saw that. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I just kind of, I, I pare things down and I, and I, so I build it back up. Mm -hmm. It's just to you know, um, a wave. Uh, but no, I, yeah, I know. Um, it's good. It's good when people like know what you're doing and then they're following you and you, it's, it's a good feeling. Yeah. Um, cause to, you know, you don't feel like you're working in a vacuum. Yeah. Um, people and people, when people get what you're, what you're saying, even when you're being super subtle, um, it's good. It's like, cause I try to, I try to put a lot of thoughts and stuff up, especially when I was doing these, uh, those more conceptual pieces, 
where I'm thinking about all this crazy stuff around me. Um, yeah. Like my very first solo show was called I See a Darkness. Um, I got the title from the Johnny Cash song. Yeah. And, you know, it was like, I get this crazy talk at the National Gallery of Art. Um, people there hooked it up. Um, and I was basically talking to, I mean, the show, the talk got pushed back because of uh, the government shut down and via Trump. Um, and so you had like food, like food lines, of government workers yeah. um out, like outside and shit and it's like what the fuck is <laughs> um the whole trump person was like what the fuck is happening um literally but you know that was like i i was thinking about all this shit i you know war you know we got of like tw- 20 something years of like war in the middle east afghanistan we got you know uh living through 9-11 you know all this stuff and then like what is america really was it really like you know, all this stuff? So I put that all that that stuff into that show, yeah. and um, I was hoping people got it. You know, I don't know if I was super successful, but like um, I've had to learn how to refine my ideas, presenting them. Because mm-hmm. the artist talk was like all the darkness I'd all, I'd seen all, and I mean just from police to I mean we're watching people get murdered every day, yeah. like straight up. You know, like toward the end of Obama, maybe the end of Obama's presidency when the police shooting sort of ramped up and leading up to Floyd and everything was like, that was just like a regular thing. You know, I mean, before it got became like the, everybody's was like in vogue for people to like be a protesters. Like, like I heard about that oh, as a kid, like all the time. I, I had a, Somebody, I had a comment on it in one of my podcasts and you know, it's, it, it was more of me on a rant. I was like, Oh, I'm just able to shoot, see, you know, people that look like me get shot cinematically and it's fine. And we can see it on the news and that's not traumatizing yeah. at all. Right. Yeah. I mean, I realized I, I had to really, I mean, that's what, you know, I see Dart is like, I was seeing this shit. And then, you know, the confusion of, of, of film and, and then, you know, like just murder, crime, death and music too. It's like just hitting you all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what are we becoming through that? You know, the effects of that violence on us. Like I, well, I mean, honestly, it's fucked up when Floyd died. I was like, I was so used to it. I just like, and then it became, it took off because everybody's at home during the pandemic and they had, they got to really internalize it. I seen that shit. I, I kind of think cops like, you know, pinning somebody down. Like I, that's, that was just, I saw that like having other people, you know, via somebody's camera. So it wasn't like, Oh, another one, you know, and you just try to, you learn to try to block it out. When, really, when you know? we had, uh, I was doing a different podcast and, you know, we were just recording and we, me and my co-host, we both got the the news alert about Freddie Gray yeah. locally. Yeah. Yeah. And we both had the kind of same response, like, Oh, that's, that's nothing new. And then seeing kind of ultimately what it turned into kind of this, this precipice of some of this de- yeah. degree of awareness around it. And, you know, I, and I think that is one of the things that maybe even because kind of what you were touching on earlier, where, you, you take into account what your subject is for your portraits, right? It's almost yeah. like taking into account what the artist is, like looking at it like this is coming from from your perspective. Like you're seeing these things and you have your, yeah. your viewpoint on it and, and it must be a, a factor in it. You know, like this is why I'm choosing to go in this direction. This is why I'm choosing to have this subject with maybe this lighting. <laughs> And even like the cop I interviewed yesterday, man, um, I never thought I'd get to the point where I could do that. Cause I, I grew up like terrified. I used to skate, you know, Freedom Plaza, Pulaski down in DC and like the park police would come up on horseback and, and motorcycles to chase you. Just not cool. You know, these motherfuckers, these motherfuckers were dangerous. Like, um, 
And so I remember that growing up a kid hating police. And then as I got older, I, I mean, I've encountered good cops, you know, terrible cops. Like I've, I've been very lucky even getting pulled over. Mm-hmm. Even when they try to run my license for like half an hour, it takes like five minutes to see yeah. if I have any felonies. Um, that, you know, I've been very lucky and survived, um, those encounters, but, um, I, I remember seeing in Southeast down here, um, the South Cabo street, a kid I was driving and, um, and this goes into the back to that artist song. I, 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 you know, I did darkness. So I did an NGA where it's like a very more like crowd, like, Oh my God, you know? Yeah. And was, this kid was literally, I was doing South Cabo street toward DC from Maryland. Everybody kind of stopped. Everybody was like looking, like spectating something. I was like, what the fuck's going on? I saw a cop car sort of um, speeding around this one neighborhood. Like they're, they're definitely hunting for somebody. Yeah. I saw a kid running for his life like this. He was His clothes were just tattered. Wow. Like a, like a runaway slave. But it was that kind of imagery. Wow. And he was just running. And people were saying like, yo, man, give it up. Give it up. And, you know, I saw some old dude saying that. And the cops were just like, hunt. It was like, they were just like, oh, shit. We're gonna, there he is. You know? Yeah. And it's, I remember that scene and I was just like, what the fuck did I just witness? Yeah. And they were just, you know, wasn't my really, re- didn't, wasn't my really rehabilitation. It was just about, we're going to catch our prey. Yeah. Um, and you never want to be on the other side of that. You know, um, I got it, 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 the, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I, I got the response. Like, you, you know, you, you touched on um, just some of the earlier imagery being movies and things like that. Mine's always yeah. go to like do the right thing. And it's like, I, yeah. I always put it this way. I'm a radio Raheem dude. I'm six, four, like 300 pounds. So it's like, I'm going yeah. out. If there's any, like, uh, he's, he's moving too fast. It's like, shit, I'm in the back of a van. I'm breathing. And yeah. this is what the reality is. And you don't want that right. to be the case, but it's like, let's be real though. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, I had to, I'll speak yeah. to what I'm going to do. And I'll segue back to what you just said. Cause I, I think about that all the time too. The cop I interviewed yesterday, who the Capitol Police officer said that the people in the crowd were had like Blue Lives Matter flags on them, and they were beating the cops with that with, with those flags. That was the the irony of that shit. Yes, it was like, what the fuck? These are the same motherfuckers are like you know pro police, pro this, and they want to kill these cops in the, who are trying to defend the Capitol. Yeah. That was who were really trying to like hold the line. I was like, oh, this nothing makes sense. And by the same token, I saw. Excuse me. During the um, the footage of, of uh, the protesting outside the White House, yeah. a video of a white girl screaming like, because a lot of like white kids came down, they needed something to do, and they're like, "Oh my god, I feel so I feel so bad about this stuff. Yeah. I'm guilty and shit." Like I saw a white girl screaming "Black Lives Matter" at a black cop holding the line, <laughs> and I was just like, I, "I, you know, I mean, a lot of my friends are all just like, you know, defund this," and I was like, "Well, let's have a conversation about this because, you know." Like that's a black cop, but that's a different, that's another layer of this shit. Yes. You know, black people who are, who have, you know, there's the double conscience of it all. Like, um, and I wonder about it. Like, I wonder what is it? What do you, what do you feel like? What, what is that really like for you? What have you seen? What have you heard? Um, and then having a white person, yell black lives matter to you must fuck you up. Kind of, you know, I was watching, I was like, how the fuck does that, what the hell? It's like this equation so, doesn't know, work. <laughs> It's like seeing all these white kids. I, I would see like white kids and, and protesters have like Black Lives Matter signs and shirts, but they couldn't look you in the eye. Like I got, I'm six, I'm six three. Yeah. You know, I'm like, and they look, you know, like you know, oh my God, I'm scared. You know, like, fuck off, then. You know, so I was feeling all this shit. I was like, this is it's it's so complicated. Yes. It's so, 
You know, it's so, like, what do, what do you really feel? You know, yeah. what do you really think? What do you really, you know, and um, portraiture really just delves right in there. But to circle back to the, the talk, all that stuff I was seeing before, mm-hmm. and then, you know, the darkness was like, where are we headed? And then I guess the ultimate expression of that was June, January 6th, where a bunch of people stormed the United States Capitol, which I thought was secure. Because last time I went there, I saw dudes with like fucking slow dudes like M4s ready. Yeah, I was like, oh, they will, they will handle it. But nope, you know, it's like I there was a painting um, I thought about when that was happening. Uh, Thomas Cole, Course of Empire. He did a series of, of five paintings um, in the 19th century about the rise and fall of Rome, mm-hmm. and the, the second last painting is called The Destruction. It's like after. The, the middle painting, the, the zenith is the consummation of empire when Julius Caesar enters Rome in this huge procession after his campaign in Gaul. He's like crossing Rubicon and conquered all these motherfuckers. Everybody's celebrating. The next one is like all the people he was inspired before, all the, the kids grew up and they became savages. And, you know, the, the, the tribes came in and tore shit. It was just like, just complete chaos. Right. That's what the six looked like to me. I was like, oh shit. You know, because after seeing like them in Michigan at the state house, and like dudes in there yelling how Hitler called an AK. I'm like, you see what I'm saying? The, the fucking what the and, fuck? And being, and being allowed to, to be in that spot and without getting murked like that. I, I'm like, how do you carry a gun into a state house? Yeah. You know, I mean, let a, let a nigga sell cigarettes and like he gets tackled. Like, yeah, I, and cho- like so, deprived of air, ch- choked out the whole, the whole gam- gamut. And yeah. it's like, you fuckers have gone into governmental building stole governmental property on camera smiling at it Bruh. and it's fine yeah. it's like i'll be protected and i've like because like again the nature of the other podcast i cover it was one where it's a guy that was he was getting a haircut and he was bragging about it it's like you got away and you still want the street cred you silly bastard they were pinging people's phones actually if you were near there um i heard about this story on, on local news like if you're near the uh, near the Capitol in the six, they were like, I think they were, they were tapping in some like phone towers. Some woman who was who was walk having me walking her kid by that day got a visit from the I think the FBI because she was like nearby. <laughs> so I'm like, yo, why are you? They're like, you're on camera. <laughs> Do you have a parlor account? You know, <laughs> I mean, the memes were fire though, straight yeah. up coming from that the six, like the people climbing the wall, like they had the Mario music. The, the one, like, did you see the one with the guy that had the um? It's the one black guy, and as the people are coming in, he's holding like the can of like the twisted iced tea. <laughs> that's really funny <laughs> but it's terrible but I, even even then like i saw after uh interviews afterwards there were like people of like all persuasions races there you know there's a guy gays for trump there was a saw a vietnamese woman you know there for, for i saw some black people there um and like the shit was it was i mean but that even like even the proud boys it's like yeah the dude Enrique, whatever, you know, is brown and he, you know, he got arrested for bringing in weapons to DC. And, you know, I was like, what I, it was, it's complicated. Yeah. And the, and the complication is what I'm fascinated about, honestly, about what we project and then what we, um, how we act and how we live and how we want to live and how we want to restructure the society. People that, that believe that, um, you know, I find that endlessly fascinating. And, uh, you know, and then the people who, who have to really try to keep shit in order, yeah. whether it's, you know, police or whether it's uh, officials or whatever. And being in D.C., this has never really been more exciting, honestly. And, and, and but then also the historical stuff is like 
this is where so-and-so walks. This is where, like, even where I live, um, Oxon Hill, there was, I live down the road from a plantation, Oxon Hill Manor, you know, it was, so all the stuff that built up was like, oh yeah, you know? Yeah. It's like, yep. it's like, what the, and, it's like what the clip said, <laughs> the place where I'm making figures is the same place used to hang niggas at. Yeah, exactly. 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 There was a, actually, there's a, uh, I think it was called a, a Suburia, Yeah. Um, the plantation. And it was a, a 14 year old girl who was tried four times, but she was, she poisoned her master's family and then they hung her after the fourth time. I was like, took those motherfuckers out. Yeah. You know, I'm like, that's, why not? It's gangster, man. Like what? Enjoy. You know, like, yeah, it's some Django shit. Like, because, you know, you, we did, like, I'm having a studio in Georgetown. Like, they're finding slave shackles in people's basements, you yeah. know, years ago. Like, it wasn't, let's, let's not fuck around and think, like, this is all, you know, this is all cute and cool. It's like. I mean, it was, it was a place that I worked at, and I had to go on campus all the time, and they had, like, this wasn't a monument, but it was like some type of beacon that illustrated that this is where the slaves quarters was at. I was like, I don't know if I like walking by this every day. And then it was that thing where, you know, people have been making these face value attempts or uh, appeasements. Let's call them appeasements. Like let's add Juneteenth as a holiday. Let's, let's deal with our, (laughs) our, um, our history of slavery. I was just like, don't start census bureauing me. Like, well, we can't tell how many slaves the the name of this school, this, the school is named after the the person that the school is named after had, but we know he had at least one. I was like, "Mm, nah, try again. You can't have one. It doesn't work that way. Not (laughs) it's like George, you know, when people find out George Washington was a slave owner, it's like, uh and yeah man it's like it there's a it's funny there's um there's john adams miniseries on hbo yeah. um it's really great and he uh he and and abigail get to the uh, white house i was like well it's it's if they're you know coming in a horse um horseback carrot and everything they see all the slaves building <laughs> building the grounds of the white house you know it's like oof yeah, and it's just the moment of guilt, yeah. and the slaves look at him. Abigail looks at one uh, woman, and she look, it's just like I could have been this person, or this person could have been me, kind of moment. Right. And it's just like, so like, yeah, let's not forget, man. And um, it's, but then you know, also like I look, there's plenty of people of color, you know, in the canon of, of painting and art who've been painted. Yeah, I've you know, back to like you know, 14th century, like there's. We've always been there. Like every time they paint Jesus in the painting, there's like, you know, some dark skinned dude over here. You know, it's like, like it's, you know, in a secondary role because God's, you know, Jesus is white, of course, and in the Middle East. Um, I, you I know, started to so say Julius always, Christ in the background, but I had to get Julius. <laughs> well, the first, the, <laughs> the first painting I ever saw as a kid, uh, you know, I always think to a church, uh, it's called like Ebenezer in like Eastern Market. Yeah the black old black like methodist church yeah. there's a painting of jesus on you know above the choir and everything it's like it's a white dude it's like with the blue and the red robe i'm like but he's from the middle, the middle east is right not even a tan palestine I think I like <laughs> it's, you know some white dude with brown hair you know and it's like that's you know, i was like oh that's a painting like that's that's confusion you have to untangle as a kid that's a you know growing up um, about how we present ourselves in the messaging. Yeah. Um, can't be, he can't be some regular dude, you know, 
Brown from no, absolutely not. Can't be, you can't, like, can't be de facto Brown. You can't be mid tier Brown. You you have to be one extreme, and the extreme yeah. is chosen as happens to be a white dude. And then there's a black dude on the side giving them some 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 whatever some, some uh, gift. Some I was like, it's yeah. I mean, life is complicated. I think people are trying to deconstruct things now. I mean, they have been, mm-hmm. um, but now like now Tulsa's all the rage. You know, uh, uh, did you know there was a riot there? Like. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, they they had two series on HBO that talked about that. One did really good at it. The other one I have thoughts on and we'll shave that. Which which one do you have thoughts on? Like, I'm curious. Love Cry Country. I have thoughts on that one. Yeah, well, they put it at night. I mean, I I think it I think it did happen like in the evening. Um, but uh, it was did it. I mean, I'm I'm even the history of like when it happened to me because like the uh, it, the uh, Watchmen that was more cinematic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was you know it it felt uh something I was thinking more like Rosewood too. Yes. Um, Rose that was which that was. Don't, don't get me started, man. I do a movie review podcast. I'll invite you on that one, man. We, we got one. We got we got to talk. We got to talk more, man. We, we I, got, I'm, I'm big on. No, go I love movies, man. We got, but I we, no I. No, please. Yeah. Well, what's, what was your thought on on uh, on both of those? I'm just curious. Uh, I I liked Watchmen a lot. Um, and and it, and, and mostly because I, I liked that their their angle at, with it. They. Damon was not fucking around with that. I don't think he's like, yeah. I don't care about your white feelings. And I like the fact that like white fanboys that were like sucking Alan Moore had to like cope cop with it. It's like, I don't believe this woman, this black fuck is good though. I feel like a lot of yeah. that was going on, which made me really happy. Um, as far as Lovecraft country um, overall, I think it was, I think it was good. I think it was a, a good direction to, it was certain things that the story that they were telling, because we were reading the book concurrently, was like, yeah. yeah, some interesting choices here that some some changes, some omissions. And it was just things that they created that didn't really make sense for what they were doing. Like, how do you walk through fire with a book? Yeah, you- like, what's, you shouldn't you like sprint when there's a portal closing? This like, yo, just 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 take off, like run. It was just um, things that just didn't work in that kind of way for me. And it was for the yeah motherfucker yeah. scenes it was kind of like a lot of that that was happening yeah it was it was too like on the nose um yeah that's it, subtly is is, is art form like mm-hmm. i uh the fact that they made like watchmen basically made the most powerful being in the universe a black dude well he was a white dude a, a white jew who became a black black dude later on dressed for himself and then he like fucking made his own planet you know <laughs> like it was just subtle Solely's there. Um, it was. I mean, I don't. I don't know if either show was really ended well. You know, they had moments like the first episode of Lovecraft Country when they went to it's called the Sundown Joint. They went fired. to the cafe. That was like they got chased out, and, and Smollett's sister was like, "Get the fuck out! We gotta get the fuck out of now!" Because yeah. they re, they burnt the place, the old place down. It was black black business. They repainted it. Yeah. Right. And like, dude, dude was like, "Yo, we belong here." Eat here. It's like, in the green book. I was like, I was the whole time. I was like, get the fuck out of it, you know. Um, at minimum, they're gonna spit in your food. At minimum, they're gonna yeah, they're gonna spit your food. You know, call you another word for nigga, and like you know. So they, and then they they got they got to the seat. They're in the woods. Cop car pulls up. You know, like and then you know, dude's trying to trying to like got smart. I'm like, this ain't the nigga you get smart with. This is the this is the motherfucker that will hang you. Yes. tonight, son. Yes, and then made him. You know. If you if you speed, we're going. You no, know, I got to pull you over and essentially kill you. Yeah. And 
you got to get out of here by sundown. I mean, the fact that America had sundown towns and counties. Yeah. And I think maybe uh, if I'm not mistaken, Portland one might've been, Oregon might've been a sundown state. Oh, wow. You know, I think it was, it was found as an all white state. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, it's like, hell, parts of Maryland, I don't know fucking go to at night. You know, it's, you're reckoning with that. Um, and, and right now it's in vogue, but it's like, it's always been there. Yeah. And it still is there. It's still, people still get murdered. Like, people still get hassled. You know, Karen's come out of nowhere and try to say that, you know, that kid selling water deserves a cop's call. Or even, you know? even the uh, thing back in, uh, I think it was like South Carolina, I believe this is around like maybe when, when Bree Newsom took like the flag down and all of that stuff there. Yeah. And it was just like, yeah, you, you, you people don't know that the folks that drive around down oh here God. are driving on streets that are named after slave masters. So let's, Let's act in accordance. Across the bridge in Old Town Alexandria, they had a, uh, I was driving around one time, I saw like a statue I passed before. I just didn't even think about yeah. it. It was a light. It was like dedicated to the heroes of the Confederacy. Shit, they, they just took it down and went back to the Floyd stuff. I'm like, that was there all my life. Right. And then further down the road, there's Jefferson Davis Highway. You named a highway after the motherfucker that got to feel like, why would you, like, what's the, you know what I'm saying? This is old town. Yeah. It's nice, you know, it's cool. Like, but no, here's this guy's name. Here's it's like fuck y'all. You know, and <laughs> it's it's what the Confederacy was, I mean, it was a mess. Yeah. Um, but but then again, like, do you destroy those those statues? I mean, they were made in, in context of intimidation, but would it not be better to learn fully have a rounded view? So people some people take that view. You know, some people in, in um, Richmond, they, they tagged up uh, Lee's statue. Yeah. Um, but he's a historical figure. I think he went to school with Grant. These motherfuckers knew each other. Like, like it's it, that that's how... You can only imagine how many ch- bad jokes I've had about what my name is. <laughs> oh, God. Damn. Yeah, and I'm a junior, so my dad got the, got the brunt of it. He's like, I was born in the 50s. We know it's some bullshit. I have to hear these Robert yeah. E. Lee jokes. Um, but in that... This this is definitely going in a, a great conversation. I got one last question for you. Yeah, yeah. Before we wrap up into shameless plugs and all of that stuff. Um, <laughs> if your artwork was a brand, what would be its slogan? Oh shit. Uh, Boom. If you say just brand. if you say just do it, I'm gonna turn everything off. Uh, Especially no, what no, you said I about mean, Oregon, right? <laughs> I, brand um, I mean, it was said about Franz Halls. I saw in a documentary about the famous touch painter, you know, he, he, um, he portrayed an intimate realism. Mm-hmm. That's what, you know, the show is like, it's been realness, but maybe that, because I'm really, I mean, look, the good, bad and the ugly, I'm like interested in people. Um, I think through talking to people, people who are, you know, I mentioned Mike Tyson's podcast, right? Yeah. Mike Tyson will break down the toughest dude you think. Mike Tyson will sit there and, like, you know, he'll question him. Yeah. Because everybody knows Mike Tyson's been through hell and back. Man. Yeah. This motherfucker's been through everything. And he's been dark skinned. Like, I mean, it's just like he's been through it. <laughs> um, so, no one, he's, he's, he, no one, he can't really. And Mike Tyson asked me, what do you really feel that way? You know, like a little boosty or something. It's like, it, it's coming from a real honest place. Yeah. And through that honesty, there's a catharsis. Even someone who's who's an awful person or whatever mm-hmm. 
has a pet perspective, a person with a kid too. I want to, I want to see if I can like, who are you really? What, what made you get, get this way or whatever? Um, there was a guy, I think, I forget what state black dude, actually, he was a photographer. He would interview, he would photograph a lot of the proud boys. I realized just talk to them. Yeah. You know, they'd have conversation. That's like, instead of yelling at people, sometimes like, Oh, fuck you. It's like, if you can really get, talk to them, get in their head and really find out where they're coming from. Yeah. That's, a, you know, there's, there's something really amazing. There. And I'll finish with this, uh, Daryl Davis, I think yeah. his name is, yeah. you know, his story, man. Like mm-hmm. he just, he brought people out of the clan by just, cause I'm never met a black person. And he would just talk to him. I saw his interview on Joe Rogan's podcast. And I was like, Holy shit. You know, he was amazing, amazing dude. He got protested by Antifa actually at a talk. That's how fucked up the world, crazy the world is. I saw, I saw his documentary or what have you, and I had that initial. It was a documentary. I think it was on Netflix, and yeah. uh, my partner, she, she was just like, "Yeah, watch this," and, and she was like, "I'm not going to say anything." She's like, yeah. I just want to get what your response is. And my initial take was, fuck is this dude? Because I, I because he, <laughs> yeah. he reminded me of like a, he looks a lot like my college biology teacher, same perm, yeah. the whole situation. They look like they could be <laughs> yeah. brothers. And I'm starting yeah. to look at it. And then somehow it went full circle. He got me on his side as far as what the intent is, his, yeah. his approach to it. Maybe, maybe I would choose something different. Maybe I would, but I'm not in that spot, but seeing right. how, some people react and, and I, and I'll, and I'll leave, I'll leave before we get to change plugs on this, that I, I think kind of what you were touching on, like the, that discourse thing of people being able to take those images with, you know, the proud boys and all of that different stuff to lead into like, what is your issue? What is the thing the, give, give me the rundown yeah. or what have you, I think it's a version of censorship that we don't want to be able to talk to people of, uh, that maybe from a position that we disagree with, or that's an unsavory yeah. position. It, yeah. It's very similar to this thing that Patrice O'Neill would throw out there. And I f- fucking love Patrice oh, O'Neill. Oh. And, Patrice, yeah, yeah. and he was just like, just because you, you have like, it could be, um, what is it? Uh, who, who, Bill, Bill O'Reilly or, or you could have, um, uh, what is his name? Rush Limbaugh or something. But, but I'm thinking of a black dude or what have you, uh, Al Sharpton. It's like you can yeah. have different ends of a spectrum that have a message that because you may not fuck with that end of the spectrum, you would completely yeah. ignore it, but it's some validity in what they're saying. Yeah. Like just because yeah. it's the messenger doesn't mean it. it's like, oh yeah, I'm a shit in the bed, but it's like you might get something out of it that's worth you hearing. I mean, look, I've, I've, I've listened to a bit more uh, as I've gone along uh, conservative points of view because like I've, I've, you know, had friends who, um, you know, I was like listening to probably more liberal points of view for a long time. And then like, I want to listen to more conservative point of view. Both halves are saying like roughly versions, not the same thing, just coming from their perspective, how they think things should be, but there's literally in different points. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I've, I look, I've run into people who, who look like that person I would never get along. And like, we ended up having a great conversation, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And so that's, I had to, I'd be open to that, you know, coming from wherever. And people, sometimes people just like tell me to come up and tell me their stories. I'm like, oh, that was amazing. And I got, I've met, I had amazing conversations that way. So you're right. You just, you just, everybody's got a point of view. Now, some people may be trying to incite things. That's yes. why I take issue. Yes. But if it's about honest conversation, it's about really digging into an issue and you may have your opinion about it or whatever. That's you know, let's talk about this. You know, I may be wrong. I'll be, I may be my positions, whatever, but like let's have a conversation about this and really look at it for real. And then, you know, whatever. And society will go whatever way it wants to go ultimately. But um, 
there has to be discourse. Yes. There has to be, you know, I mean, MLK, look, MLK, all, we all love him, but like, you know, he had, he had some flings, you know, he wasn't the man who was getting wiretapped by JFK. Yeah. Or not JFK, but, uh, but Hoover, yeah. you know, he wasn't the super virtuous man, but he's also the same dude who was like this amazing. I mean, it's, it seems like a paradox. Yeah. It's like, how did, he's, he's still, that's a complicated life and people are. And I think that's you know? the thing. We, we want things to be very, very neat instead of it can be yeah. this and that. That's the thing that I like to live in. It could be this yeah. and that. Like this person can be a complete piece of shit, but also he did all of these things. He did all of these other things that makes it yeah. more murkier. And we like to see things in a very binary way, despite it's shades of gray. See that, yeah. see that color thing I did right there? Painting. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> it's you're right it's all it's really all shades of gray it's really all like I, and i've had experiences where you know i can tell you later like that just didn't make any sense and i still think about it i'm like <laughs> but it's all shades of gray yeah. people i mean even this art thing i've gotten help from people that we didn't even never think about like or or wouldn't even suspect and like like, oh wow you know it's life is more complicated than i ever thought it would be it's nothing is simple no Nothing's cut and dry. And in a way, uh, my buddy uh, up there uh, in Baltimore, Jermaine um, Bell, he would say, he said something about how the complication, the friction from a complication produces genius. Because mm-hmm. when, when you're in those murky waters, you have to like really process things and really think about them and really delve into them. And it actually makes you say, smarter, but more, uh, you know, intellectually able to handle these, these paradoxes or, or what have you, you know? I'm paraphrasing, of course. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's all great. (laughs) One of my favorite colors, if not my favorite. So with that, uh, we've gotten everything out there. People are going to take something out of this podcast. But uh, (laughs) uh, shameless plugs, where can he find your social media website? All the leg of stuff. Social media. It's my last name. It underscore on Instagram. It's probably the most active Um, uh, website. Just davidaribata.com. Pretty simple. And yeah, man, I'm around DC, Maryland. Oh, uh, well, my, you know, Southern Maryland. Um, All right. Most of you see that. Uh huh. No, that you guys are far. That's a far drive. Man, all right. All right. Going to Georgetown, I say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but, right. but thank you so much. This has been great. This has been, uh, it's been, it's been, it's been one of the, the deeper ones that we were able to get into, uh, delving into an actual conversation with a guest. Yeah, and um, yeah, this has been great. So thank you so much. Um, so for, for Mr. David Abad, I'm Rob Lee saying it does art in and around and literally around, he said, it's so far away kind of Baltimore, <laughs> but it's all in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it. 